Hey, Mac, when does deer season start? Well, if you want the best deer herd possible, Lanny, you need to start right now. Right now. That's, That's why right. we're starting our promotion. I mean, we've got a deer season starts now promotion on plantbiologic.com where you can pick up our Game Changer soybeans, our forage soybeans, and our spring protein peas. While you're there, you might as well go ahead and pick up some brassicas like our final forage and winter bowls. Yeah, stock up for the cool season planting right now. Listeners to the GK Podcast, if you use coupon code GKPOD, you can save an additional 10% off our entire selection of warm season, cool season, and clover food plot seed. Get started today and visit plantbiologic.com for an unforgettable fall. Hi, I'm Jeff Foxworthy, and welcome to Gamekeeper Podcast. If you want to learn more about farming for wildlife and habitat management, then buddy, you are in the right place. Join the Gamekeeper crew direct from Mossy Oak Land Enhancement Studio as they discuss the latest wildlife and habitat management practices, news, and of course, hunting. There's no telling what you'll learn, but I'm going to tell you, I bet it's interesting. Enjoy. We're live in three... Two, one. All right, everybody. Well, welcome to West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak brand camo. I'm just so glad we're all here. I mean, everybody's half of everybody's yeah, been out. More sick. people at the office today than there has been in what? Oh, at least, at least 10 a days. month. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Uh, between deer season and the and what is it called? Omicron? The COVID. The COVID. Yeah, everybody that thinks they saw somebody that had it, so, so then they have to be out. There's a correlation yeah. to that in the rut around My here. brother's uncle's well sister's listen. cousin had the COVID. So, so. I got to go deer hunting. Man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, it, I think uh, Bobby and Lanny and I are like the only few people that hadn't gotten it. Well, I mean, we could be asymp- asymptomatic. Sure. You know? But I'd like to think I hadn't had it. I hadn't, I hadn't been sick. So, mm-hmm. but knock You're on wood, I, I hope to continue. We're not going to the shot show, which is so odd. I know it's such a great thing. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't want to go, but I want to go. Right. I don't want to miss NWTF. We're. I hope we get to go to that. We better. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I gotta. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, y'all can go, obviously. Well, we, you know, uh, David, how many times have you been out with COVID since the this started? Deer this, it, it seems yes. like since, key- since deer season has started, you know, the first part and now the last part, it's been pretty optimal, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would say it he has to. He can't yeah. lie. He can't lie. So, so, so how was Maine? He, he actually traveled to Maine. That's probably contributed uh, to When you go to Maine? See, see, oh, okay, now I understand why you guys wanted me on here was to get this out there. Yeah. I didn't know you went to Maine. I, I didn't get into these I want to hear about it. How was what, Maine? What happened in Maine? Maine yeah. was really good. What y'all uh, did? Very cold. A lot of ice fishing. Um, you went ice fishing? I did. I got uh, ice fishing like a couple of days. Uh, in a hut, yeah. We hung out there for not very long. Uh, built, a, <laughs> built a fire on the shore and hung out. And uh, Did you have so, a heater in the hut? We did. We didn't use it, though. We just uh, we built a fire on the Young love. They don't need any. Or you, was this a date? I mean, it wasn't a date, but. Did you have a girl with you? Well, yeah, he's engaged I now. am not engaged. Are you not engaged? <laughs> he's so close to engaged. What is like, the step he before engaged? He went quarantine and all of a sudden he's been to Maine with some uh, chick and now he's engaged. That yeah. was so long ago. What, what is, ago. when you're pre-engaged, what is that, that called? I forgot. Promised? That, that, yeah, promised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's promised, promised for sure. Okay. So this was just like a couple's retreat? 
Yeah, something like that. It was did meet you, the parents, Lana. Oh, did you go meet her parents? I, I did go meet her parents. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's heavy. That's pretty well, heavy. That yeah. is heavy. <laughs> you have done some cool stuff, and I, I strongly urge everybody in their 20s to get to it out it. of the way. Yeah, do do it. it. You yeah. will. If you don't, you're going to regret it. Hey, and, and you know, I was fortunate enough to have a, one of my, my significant other with me that whole time, too, when I was in my 20s, so. Congrats there, David. Yeah, I was okay. I was married and had having babies by then. So yeah, what was the is there a nuptials day? Did we got that figured mm, out yet? No, no, can't say no, that. No, but he's promised me. No, 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 no. Okay, you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's let's move on. Let's move on. All right, all right. So look, I'm ready to move on. Well, I can't answer what I was about to answer. No, I but, you. Uh, so uh, how was the ice fishing? It was good. It was very cold. What very species cold. did y'all target? Uh, we targeted landlocked salmon and then uh, trout. So did you catch one? Caught a good many. Oh, yeah. did you? It was very good. Did y'all eat any of them? Did not eat any of them. No. David. I know. Kind of sacrilegious, isn't it? Did you I put was, them back? Put them back, yeah. I watched a really cool... What are you cool, fishing for? I know. It's, <laughs> I watched a really cool series on YouTube about the, uh, these you know these little bitty lakes in Maine, and there was this really rare species of trout hmm. that they were that was protected, and somebody you know introduced a different kind of trout a long time ago, and it was the whole story about how they brought this. It was like a a type of char that was landlocked out mm, there. That's cool. Old char. Um, Anyway, I wish I knew the name of it. Yeah. But, uh, go go to some of those yeah. YouTube fly fishing things, and you'll probably find it. It was really popular. Meet the parents, McElwain style. Yeah, but since then, like she it. has killed her first deer. Here? Uh, yeah. All right. Did you put blood on her face? Did not. Um, she was not against it. I just honestly kind of forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. That's the excuse yeah. I used to. Was it a buck? It was a buck. Nice. First yeah. deer, kind of. And maybe started her out a little strong. Yeah, it was a, hey, what a yeah. nice looking ten point, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, good grief. Yeah, oh, wow. Pull all the plugs out. A little, out, little huh? high up. Yeah, probably shouldn't have done that. But a hmm. blood on the biologic. Yeah, yeah, it is. Wow, and all kind of stuff's been going on. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, young love. Young love. Did what? Well, yeah, one more thing. Did the parents? Like, how do you feel? If the parents felt about you. I think it went okay. You think it went okay? They're from Maine? They're from Maine. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Could they understand you? Yeah. I think there was a definitely definitely a barrier, <laughs> I'd say. But um, One of my, our good buddies from Maine. Uh, Bob Humphrey? Bob Humphrey. Yeah, he says we all sound like we've got marbles in our mouth <laughs> when we talk. <laughs> oh, Bob. Shout they said, out to Bob. It, it sounded like I was talking in cursive, they said. In cursive? Yeah. yeah that would I've never sense. heard that before. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. That's any good food up there? Really good. Uh, lobsters and all that kind of good stuff. Golly. Yeah, we ate good. Roll out the it red a, carpet. It was solid. 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 Bussing. 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 We better stop. shizzle. We better <laughs> stop. We better stop right now. Otherwise, David's going to have a bunch of competition show up. Yeah, that's right. Lobsters. Well, our four listeners that hear this. Yeah, well, you know, David, I think he, he he's a... Uh, He's got it. He's on track with this one, I think. Okay, well, that's good. Nice All right, well, let's talk about uh, a little blood on the biologic. Hayden, well, it looks like he's killed numerous deer since we last spoke. He is making his transformation into a meat hunter. That's for sure. Now, how old is Hayden? Hayden's eleven. He's been. He's had a good season. He's had a real good season. We spent. A, he's seen, you know, some stuff in the woods this year that you know I didn't see for a, after a decade of hunting. So we've been real fortunate. Just some intense rutting activity, and 
You know, everything's uh, been in kind of line. Got the, the heater going. Yeah, yeah. I have learned all these things. You know, I was kind of against. You know, I'm not hunting with a heater. I'm not hunting with an iPad. I'm not. We're not doing this. This is not the way we're doing it. Well, of course, I lost that battle. And let me tell you what. It's pretty nice. <laughs> that, yeah. heater, that heater is the bomb. <laughs> that heater's nice. Faux shizzle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nice. So, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> we've had some good times out there. So. Well, good. good. stuff, yeah. Got yeah. Some, he's he's uh he's been the provider uh this year that's for sure so got some deer hanging in the cooler we gotta cut up and get in the freezer and uh yeah so well i saw where Harmon rightly killed a nice and Harmon killed a nice deer too yeah and uh you know jess was telling me the story and then Harmon's excitement that was just he was so pumped. cool i was fortunate enough to be there too uh and hayden and a bunch of us we you know try to have a bunch of kid camps as much as we can so. yeah that's awesome it was a celebration well, good for the the young men. The names begin with an H. This is their year. Yeah, Harmon and It's happening. I mean, it's it's just such a cool thing. You you take all these kids to the hunting camp, turn them loose. They're building forts and just getting dirty. And yeah, you know, Jason's kids, Eli and Caston, were there too. They didn't get fortunate enough to 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 get one down. But um, we had deer meat for dinner in this week too. So and then Eli was. Telling Jason, text me, telling that he can't believe he hunted the same places. Deer meat for dinner, you know. So How about that? Yeah, that's, that's good. A, that's a big deal. Yeah, and, he's big time. And uh, Robert Arrington, he's on. He was with us this week too, so he's on the board with a real good eight point down from Knoxby County too. So little, little, little local blood on the biology. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What about you, there, Bobby? Uh, I, you know, it seems like you're still in full tilt guide mode too. Uh, from looking on got, she, the, I think she has finally maxed out the the maximum amount of does and bucks she can kill in I Mississippi. I was thinking she should be limited out by now. Thank goodness. So maybe old Bobby could get a chance. Uh, to get you, uh, you would think <laughs> I could, you know, but uh, well, Dudley and I have talked about it. We, we gonna hold you a doe out down there, making. Well, that, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, well, look. Uh, so, so moving right along, today's episode, we we did one about eight or nine weeks ago, ago called Ode to the Oak Tree. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, boy, Dudley just loved that when he got to really talk about something he's passionate about. So I wanted to try to circle back around and talk about soft mast and actually get you to explain what soft mast is. But there's a wide variety of things. And this is the time of the year, if you're a landowner there or a, have a hunting look, that you want to start thinking about planting these things. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what we want to do today. Uh, I'd hope Toxie would be here, but I think he has taken Mr. Fox deer hunting this yeah, So that certainly trumps well the podcast. Yep. So, uh, so uh, look, we're going to wish him a lot of luck. But uh, why don't we just dive right into it, Dolly? Why don't you tell us what is salt? What by definition? Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know the definition, but it's pretty self-explanatory. You know, we all know what mast is. It's stuff that falls out of trees and bushes that wildlife eat. You know, uh, some of it's hard, like acorns and nuts, and some of it is more the outside of the seed, the fleshy part, the fruit, and that's your soft mast. Um, a lot of people mispronounce it. They say mass, M-A-S-S. It's, it's mast. So, so, so look, what, what happened to you as a young man, a young child, that made you fall in love with trees? Um, you know, that's a good question. Um, my grandmother uh, was a, a plant and soil nerd. She was a biology teacher, got a college degree, uh, I think in the th- late 30s, early 40s, uh, which is rare for a woman back then. Um, 
but she had all these textbooks that she would, you know, she'd drive around and find this flower and, and press it in the book. And I have all that. Um, and I think I just got that gene from her, you know. Um, and then uh, I've just always been interested in plants or, you know, anything that grows mm-hmm. um, and, the, and soils. Um, and then my dad bought this farm when I was really young and he, he died early and I kind of took over that farm and, uh, just fell in love with it, you know, by default, um, and, uh, kind of forced to, to learn a lot about it. And, uh, but it seems like trees is something that you really trees focused especially. on. Yeah. And, uh, I've been hitting the trees and obsessing over them for probably 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to say I'm falling out of it, but I'm, I'm finding new stuff that I'm interested in. I'm, you know, I'm getting into the wildflowers and grass, all this ground cover stuff that I uh, didn't know a whole lot about. I'm, I'm getting more passionate about that. But uh, at the same time, I hadn't forgotten where my roots are. And that really is trees, mass trees. Well, that's the great thing about gamekeeping. You never quit learning. No, no matter what, you, and I do, I hyper-focus on things, but then uh, right around the corner, something else to work on. So as we go through the year, you know, we we all, boy, white oaks, red oaks, we, we all start, we, we, we're we kind of keyed into that in hunting season. But in the off season, you'll have something like, remember that day that that video popped up in here? Somebody said, hey, look, I bought these mulberry trees from you guys about three years ago. And now look at these, it was two, two gobblers. It, well, one was jumping up in the, the low branches. Yeah, that was a really cool video. And, uh, yeah, he just pointed his camera at the trees and, and caught it. But um, I think uh, I was hoping somebody would ask a question, you know, like what's the most unsung or underrated? You know, mulberry is one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, you plant those things, and, and usually by the third year they're covered in fruit. And, and rapid growing. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Uh, that was, that's a, it's such a fun tree to grow because, you know, everybody wants instant gratification. And talk about instant gratification. I mean, they grow easily an inch in diameter a year mm-hmm. and can be covered in fruits uh, by the third year. And, whew, you uh, – in some states, when you have an early spring, it's dropping even during – at the end of turkey season. So talk about a winter. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so are all fruit trees soft mass trees? You know, I'm not really a specialist when it comes to uh, going by definitions. Mm-hmm. I kind of make up my own definitions uh, to make it that. easier to understand. But yeah, in in general, I, I would say, I mean, what's a fruit? What's a vegetable? I kind of right. think of them as the same thing. It's got right. a fleshy part on the outside and it has a seed in the middle. Uh, from that standard, a nut is, a, I mean, all right. of it is a fruit, you know, like the outside of a walnut is this big, fleshy, inedible thing, but that's the fruit of the, of the walnut. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. Uh, but just to make it easier, soft mast is your fruit things that we consider a fruit, you know, persimmons, apples, pears, cherries, and then a hard mast is something hard like a hickory nut or an acorn or a chestnut. But then you even got like stuff, you know. I think people typically think of seeing uh, of a soft mast tree as having these big things, but like black gum is a little bitty fruit. But boy, I mean, you go find one in the woods that's dropping, and the ground will be tore up mm-hmm. underneath it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, so how do you know some of these trees? Do they self pollinate, or do they have to have another tree to make them be able to pollinate? Yeah, that that can get confusing too. You know, you have monoecious and dioecious. You know, perfect flowers, imperfect flower. It gets very confusing. But um, you know, most people refer to dioecious as male female. So you know, is this is that tree a male female? Well, mm. it is. Um, so. Uh, male, female, or dioecious. Uh, there's even like a polygodioecious, something like that. I don't want to get into all that, but um, persimmons is the classic dioecious uh, fruit tree you hear about, soft mass. Some, some seedlings end up being boys and some end up being girls. The boys make the pollen, uh, which is the sperm of the tree, and the girls make the fruits. Um, and traditionally, for, uh, nurseries and, and biologists and such would say, well, if you plant 10 persimmons, you know, five of them will be females, and then you want to cut all but one of the males down. And I think this day and age, uh, we're learning more about the importance of insects and poll- you know, pollinators. Um, why not just leave the males and have mm-hmm. that extra pollen, have that extra nectar for, you know, uh, we're we're not just doing this for deer anymore. I, uh, I'm ready to get away from this deer centric nature of managing. Uh, let's let's manage for wildlife in the big picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, mulberries are dioecious. Honey locust is dioecious. Uh, trying to think of some more. And honey locust is that bean looking tree. Isn't it? Honey locust is that really long curvy bean. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, thorns on that. A lot of thorns. Yeah. It's it's a love hate tree. So do deer, deer actually eat that pod? Oh yeah. Mm. They love um, it, don't they? Well, it's funny. Some areas folks say that they just pass them up. Um, it seems like the areas where they can tend to get a little bit invasive due to current management practices of land. Um which seems to be alkaline soils in the Midwest, they don't seem to be as favored. But you get down in the Mississippi River bottom in the, you know, the South Delta, uh, you know, around Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, uh, you find that they all refer to them as bean trees. You find a good bean tree. Um, You've always heard how bucks seem to prefer rice bran. Well, bucks seem to prefer honey locust. I don't for whatever reason, but... I was going to say that about persimmons, yeah. it seems like, too. Go put a, well, they seem to get territorial over them. And so you find a good tree dropping in the right place, uh, you know, a big old buck will run everybody off. Yeah, there's a lot of good good buck stories around persimmons every year. I know uh, David Lindsay's got a one, got a good one. Yeah. That's for sure. He sure does. So, so look, no, we, we both have a bunch of questions. Yeah, of course. But, so, but we also were going to have Austin on here, uh, Austin Delano. Why don't we go ahead and dial him up and, and, and get him on? Delando. Delando. I didn't know he knew about trees. I thought he was a food plot guy. Well, you know, he is a food plot guy, but I, I'm not sure what he knows about no, trees. No, he's had, I think, through talking with, with Bobby, he's had some successful plantings of what he's doing, doing, I think, some edge work and stuff like that. So, Oh, and, yeah, he did a bunch of forestry stuff in college, too. Yeah. So Dudley, why, why don't while he's while Lanny's uh, calling Austin, why don't we start? Why don't you explain to folks about when's the best time to plant these soft mass? Okay, yeah. Let's let's um, just kind of tr- start there. And go. I, I'm worried about us being all over the place with this podcast, but I'm I'm not too worried about it. It'll it'll be fun and informative. Um, but yeah, generally in the South, 
you can plant and and there's there's two instances here. You've got the you've got the person that has a big backyard or lives right near their property, you know, to maybe where they could go after work and water. Um, that greatly widens your planting window. Um, I'm kind of referring to the person whose farm may be a couple hours away or can't go except for on the weekends. Um, so in that instance where you're going to plant your tree and kind of walk away in the south, as soon as the ground gets wet for the winter, so the trees have fa- the leaves have fallen off the trees and you start getting a little bit of rainfall, in the south, that's often uh, in the beginning of December. You can start planting then and then plant all the way into probably mid-March, uh, especially with these containerized seedlings that we offer at Native Nurseries. Um, and then, and, and even later, but... Uh, and then in the north, you want to plant in the fall. And I usually recommend when the leaves are at peak color and, and dropping good is a great time to time your, your planting window. Mm-hmm. And then pick back up again in the spring as soon as the ground thaws out. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people up north think you have to wait until your last frost date. Um, there's a trick around that. A lot of our customers, uh, with our, we have a little six week hold policy where you can order in advance. They'll actually request that they ship early to mid February, and that'll be a dormant tree that you get. And you can put it in your fridge, you can put it in a like a root cellar, put it somewhere cold but not frozen. And then as soon as your ground thaws, you can plant a fully dormant plant. Mm-hmm. And you don't, and that avoids having to ship a tree like in May that's already leafed out, yeah, and yeah. tender. So, but yeah, in the north you plant in the fall, and then you wait until the ground thaws, and then start planting again. Um, if you're if you have a big backyard or you live close to where you plant your trees, that window is much wider if you're able to you know go home and check them and water them after work. Yeah, you know, from that standpoint, you can. Plant in the middle of the summer if you want to. And, and most of these soft mass trees, <clears throat> they don't have the, I'm not going to use the right term, but they're not as tall and as big. They're not as oak trees, uh, right? I mean, because so you got, to me, yeah. you got understory, midstory, and then canopy kind of trees. Most Wouldn't most of these fall into that midstory kind of a? a well, you, you can call them midstory, but they still prefer full sun. For the gotcha. most part, so so you can't go um, plant these trees under something else. They have to have full sun. They have to have a little sun. Now, if you're spacing wide, um, you can always mix them together, knowing that in I don't know forty years they may get shaded out. Gotcha. And then you've got to stand a, a big oaks and things, or you can kind of plant it in advance and and keep them separate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, you know, so oaks, we generally space them 30, 35 feet apart. Some of these fruit trees, depending on how tall they get, you know, things like Chickasaw plum, you may plant six to 10 feet apart. Uh, persimmons, you may plant them about 20, 25 feet apart. You know, something like a crab apple, maybe 15 to 20, you know. So you want those Chickasaw plums to make a kind of a like a hedge, yeah, or, yeah. or a crowd in, or a, maybe plant little islands of them. Yeah, mm. um, I think yeah. that looked good at the Ponderosa and Island Chickasaw. We are, I've got some. Hey. Yeah, that was one of the first things I did because I love those Chickasaw plums. How are they doing? They are. Uh, I planted ten, 
and eight of them are doing fantastic, and two of them are too close to a cedar tree. Ah, and it's sucking the moisture. moisture, What I figure. So it happens. Yeah, but that's a neat little tree. Oh yeah. And spacing can get crazy. You know, some people like it to be perfect and and make a grid of plants. That uh, some people like it to look more natural. So when I say a thirty-five foot spacing, that could just be your average. You Mm -hmm. may put three or four trees close together and then take a few more, you know, make it look more natural. But typically in a soft mass plant, you'd have more trees per square foot than you would in an oak tree plant. Per area, yes. Gotcha. So what about if a guy, you know, you've got a property and you find a persimmon tree? You know, is there something you can do to help that tree be a better producer? Sure. Um, And they they can be a little bit finicky about – doing a bunch of work and disturbance around them. Like I, I wouldn't be disking around them. You know, they've got a real shallow fibrous root system, but absolutely. If you've got a bunch of elms and sweet gums and stuff growing up around them, you can clear it out. You know, maybe, uh, a f- maybe have a three year plan where you clear some and then you come back a year later, clear a little bit more, um, and then come back a year later and clear some more. Uh, giving them root space and sunlight is, is going to do nothing but help them. So, so they'll respond to that. Absolutely. Yeah. You are effectively releasing that tree mm. from competition, mm. and it will respond very well. One thing I've seen with persimmons in, in particular is uh, they can almost become too happy and make a, an abundance of fruit and, and break branches. So you don't want to go in and, and release it and give it a whole bunch. Of, you know, you don't want to do a whole lot of change at once. So just kind of like a maybe have a three-year period where you, you know, you take a little bit out, then a little bit more. That Makes kind sense. Of thing. So, so what about Austin? We, was, we, I'm ready when you are. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hit, let's hit dial on him. Hey, this is Mac. Checking game cameras is one of the many pleasures I get from gamekeeping. OnX helps keep track of my camera locations to be sure I'm getting the information that I need to make the best decisions for the wildlife. Try it out for yourself and see. Use coupon code MOSSYOAK to save 20% on your OnX subscriptions. Know where you stand. Hello. Hello, Austin. There you go. Yeah, I'm fine. We're we're all good. It's because of Lanny that we're a little late calling him. <laughs> oh, that's the first guy to throw the other guy on the bus. Always, <laughs> you know me and Bobby. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, have we ever called you on time? Uh, not one. Yeah, <laughs> not a single time. Well, look, it's Lanny and Dudley. Uh, David's over here, half asleep. But we are we are <laughs> talking about soft mass. And uh, we wanted to get you involved. We know you manage a lot of property up there in North Alabama, uh, South Tennessee area. He got stuff all over. He, he does. And, uh, and not only does he do food plots, but he does trees. So he, we, he talks to people all day, every day about improving their properties. So he hears a lot of successes and failures and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So, Austin, here yep. we are. I'd like you to listen in and jump in where you can, but I just asked – Dudley, if you would list some of your favorite soft mass, if you would, please. Okay. Um, and I was just saying, let's not get too deer-centric with this, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> it always goes there. It always, it always, goes. It it always comes back. Um, but uh, for me, in, in my mind, in the South, 
my favorite to plant, I don't want to say by far, but yeah, probably 50% is persimmons. I, I love persimmons. They, they do good down in the bottom. They do good on top of a hill. Uh, they're resistant to pests and disease. They just seem to, um, you know, they don't require a lot of inputs. You just give them plenty of sunlight and they're happy. And uh, gosh, deer love them. Uh, everything loves persimmon. How long does it take a typical one to start producing? On a on a good site, if and and I don't want I don't just say every persimmon is going to start producing when it's five or six, but if it responds well when it's young, uh, usually by the time it's five or six, it'll start. It'll it'll show whether it's a male or a female with its flowers, and then you can uh, go from there. But uh, you put one up on a really poor site where it's growing incredibly slow, it, you know, it might be 15 years before it fruits. Yeah. Okay, um, what else? I got In the north, uh, I would say that's probably some type of apple or crab apple uh, way up north. And uh, usually with apples and crabs, my rule with folks, they can be finicky, especially in the, in the hot and humid south. Um, if you can drive around and see apples in people's yards out in the country, then that's a good place to do apples and crab apples. But, uh, yeah, I would probably say persimmon is the north. I mean, is the south. Crabs are probably the most popular in the north. Well, so, uh, so that's two. Yep. What, what else we got? Um, Gosh, Lanny, help me here. Mulberry, uh, man. Mulberry yeah. is, is the new king. Yeah. And the um, great thing about mulberry is, I mean, you can, you know, a great tea. I mean, all these things are great tea, but mulberry is a great one. Yeah. We've got a mulberry right, right outside our office. And basically from mid-May to late June, I go out there every morning and pick mulberries and eat them off the tree. Yeah, you do. I planted two mulberries at the house. was astonished at how fast they were growing uh, and was just looking forward to fruit on there. Uh, and I rode by one day and I saw a little fruit on there. I was, man, I was so excited. And I came up and it was gone. And I, I couldn't figure out what happened. Well, Hayden and Logan had eaten all the fruit off the <laughs> tree. So uh, um, they're a fun one for sure. And um, we've seen the turkey footage, you know. Yeah. I think it's one of those. Uh, one of those. Yeah, mulberries grow in the north. They grow in the south. Uh, another favorite, black cherry. Black cherry. Uh, it drops after the mulberries, so it's more like a June and July kind of thing. Uh, everything eats them. You go find a black cherry in the woods, the ground will be tore up. Uh, a really unsung one, uh, it's dioecious as well, is um, black gum. We yep. mentioned that earlier. You would be amazed when you figure out what black gums are, how many songbirds are in these trees. With yeah. Fruit. It, is, it is crazy. Um, I, I was going to say the same thing about black cherry. Mm -hmm. it would, yes. Yep, same yeah. thing. Um, gosh. And what then else? Wait, wait, we can't forget our local favorite, the old pawpaw. Pawpaws are awesome. Yeah, well, the pawpaw grow pawpaw won't grow up north. Though. Oh yeah. Oh, it oh will. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Um, Ice cream. Who's your banana? Is a is a nickname of Who's pawpaw. Who's your banana? Oh, so, uh, <laughs> Indiana. Uh, yeah, they grow all the way up into Canada. I didn't know that. I thought yeah. that was a southern thing. Now, Learned if you plant them in the environment where they naturally exist, they're going to be in the shade, mm -hmm. and that's where they compete the best. But if you give them full sunlight, they grow into a huge bushy thing that makes a whole bunch more fruit. Mm. You plant them in the understory where you find them naturally, and it might make one fruit a year. Yeah, two or three fruits. Um, 
pawpaws, I think, uh, I didn't want to get into the non-natives, but I'm a big Asian persimmon fan. I, I want to put some by my cabin, but I don't really consider that just a really good deer tree. Mm-hmm. I'd rather plant the American persimmon that drops tons of fruit. Right. Um, whereas uh, an Asian persimmon, you just you have to pick it. Uh, you know, you that's the a, real big ones. Yeah, yeah, they're they're good to plant around the cabin. Mm-hmm. Pawpaws are kind of the same, like. I want to plant some by the cabin to pick myself, right. and I want to plant a few in the woods. But I'm not just going to fill my woods up with them. I'm, that's that's where I plant the persimmons and the and the cherries and the black gum and the mulberry. We hadn't talked about plums, right? Or elderberry. Elderberry. I mean, it's um, just limitless world of soft fruit. Um, and then you've got your soft mass species that double as uh, like a forage or a browse. All of your dogwoods make a lot of soft mast and deer just browse them heavily. Um, we talk about Marcus Lashley and his mineral stumps, that idea that he came up with mm-hmm. and, and did a couple publications and he's done some videos on that. Uh, mulberry. I think if, if somebody could come up with a bag of mulberry seed for food plots that you could mow back every year, they absolutely love mulberry leaves. Hmm. Um, and, you know, they're, it's a very prolific tree. They drop a lot of seed. Birds spread the seed. They pop up everywhere. So it, it's a good one for not just the fruits. Mm-hmm. So. Was that five? I think it was like eight. I've we'll got I've got us down with uh, six right now. Okay, okay. And, the, the, you know, the one that, that I'm surprised that there seems to be so many in the uh, in the natural world out here uh, is are these black cherries mm-hmm. once i learned to identify them I, it seemed like they're everywhere yeah black gum too especially down here yeah and so you know if you're getting into any kind of tsi or hack and squirt type thing you need to know your species mm-hmm. um well and this csp program uh that, that the conservation stewardship program yes i mean one of the things that i ended up getting signed up for is the songbird Woodland managed forest management, and uh, the black cherry plays a big role in that. I mean, yep. they, they were talking about identifying those here in the south. You know, like in in Pennsylvania, uh, like the Allegheny Plateau and, and some of the northern Appalachian area, uh, they're like the king of timber. They get huge up there. Black Around, cherry, yes. Wow. Um, you know it. It they get they're monsters up there. Um, but down here, they tend to be more of an early successional thing, and they, they don't compete well in big hardwoods. And so it's important to know what they look like. If you want to find them, uh, they're usually borderline getting crowded out in a 30-year-old hardwood stand, and you need to release them. You know, you need to go in and selectively take out a couple elms or whatever that are growing near them. Uh, maybe even an oak if you have to. Uh, you know, not all oaks are, are productive trees. So once you get to know your property, you can even take out some of your non-productive oaks and release things like black cherry and black gum and persimmons. Persimmons often get overtaken in a in a hardwood scenario. They're, they seem to you seem to find them more on edges where 100%. they can lean out and get some sun. But you can walk around in the woods and get to know your your species and uh, give them some space 
and let them become a big tree in the middle of the woods too. So Austin, uh, are you still there? Have you got a question for Dudley? All right. So Dudley, here's a question for you on the persimmons because we, we have a lot of them up here that are naturally through the hardwood hills and hollows. And of course we find them all on fence rows and stuff, but never seems to fail. Some of the most productive ones you find are in areas that are not the greatest for wildlife. Therefore, and you also see some off in the in the woods that that need another tree close to them to pollinate, I guess, and or potentially graft to them. What when you do find one that's in a great location wildlife wise, but it's not producing, what what can a landowner do to try to you know mediate that problem? Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a big fan of grafting. Uh, I've got a, a grafting video on on YouTube, and and it was actually persimmons, but one thing I always get when I talk to folks on the phone, they're like, well, I got persimmons all over my place. Um, and while that may be true and good, they're not necessarily always in a strategic location. And we all love to hunt and we all like to uh, think about what we're going to do at our place to make it easier to hunt and, and make that hunt more successful uh, without boogering your place up. Uh, so that some of those persimmons may be in a terrible place as far as like thermals go. Um, and so what you can do is you can go around and, and find areas that you would want them to be. And you can either find volunteers that are already there and graft a known female to it, or you can go there and plant persimmon seedlings in strategic locations and then come back a couple years later and graft a, a female onto that so you know it's going to be producing, uh, and you know it's going to be producing in the right area where you can get in and get out without getting smelled. Um, and that, that makes a big difference. And frequently when you find persimmons in the woods, I have an opinion, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, a theory that it seems like you always find more males in the wild, and that's because they have to compete uh, when a, a female makes fruit, and that uses a lot of energy, whereas a male can just keep growing. It's not having to expend that energy on making a bunch of fruit. And so mm -hmm. um, when you're planting by seed, it's typically a 50-50. But if you're going out into the woods and counting persimmons, it's usually way more males than females. And I, I think that's the reason. I think it's just that the males have a competitive edge because they're not having to put all that energy into making fruit. So, so uh, th th let me just ask this question. So, if you if a guy finds one persimmon tree out on his property, and and he and he finds some remnants of fruit, so he knows it's a female. Does that mean within a hundred yards or two hundred? What's the how close should the next? How far away can a tree be and pollinate another tree? I guess is well, where I'm trying to go. Uh, persimmons are pollinated by insects. Um, I guess wind can can do it, but um, that's one thing to think about is, is if you've got a lot of bees uh, and other insects, then it can be pretty far away. So that bee's got to go to that male persimmon tree and then find his way over here to this female. Yes. Um, and that's how it works. It seems so random. Well, we're not insects, so we don't understand how that works. But we're pretty good at finding our next meal, um, you know, so. I think they can too. You know, uh, <laughs> I know I. Am. Yeah, but you, that, you that's know, another that's a good point. You know. I had, but 
Do you think? Uh, do you think that bee knows? Okay, I need to go find another one of these kind of trees. I'm, I'm not. Uh, that's not something I'm. Re- I really have a lot of experience in. We may have to have an entomologist come over here and. Okay. Well, I don't mean to get and down talk a about rabbit hole. It's very. It's very persimmon. interesting. I got to fly over there to that other persimmon. Yeah. I mean, they just got it all over them, and they're going from plant to plant to plant to plant. Bottom line, the bees are super important. And bees, very, wasps, butterflies, yeah, our, na- our native bees, our non-native honeybee, everything, everything's important. It's Bees all important. You know, uh, one thing I'm trying my hardest to do is getting away from spraying trees or quit planting trees that have to be sprayed all the time because I'd I'd rather have that time to be doing other habitat stuff. You know, if I'm planting a bunch of you know, grocery store apple varieties that I've got to go and spray all the time. That's that's time that I could be doing a burn or uh, fertilizing something or putting up deer stands or whatever. But and then you know, if you go in and kill all your insects, then what's going to pollinate your mass trees? I don't know. Boy, nature is so complicated. It is, but I, I think if we just go back to more simple things and, and quit overthinking stuff. So that's, what, that's where we win. It's with all this diversity. What are we not asking you, Dudley, about soft mass that we need to? Is there is there something you want to cover? I think it, it would help to explain the difference between grafted fruit uh, and native fruit trees. Okay. Well, you can graft native fruit trees. I, I want to go ahead and, you know, like with persimmons, uh, you may have a seedling persimmon that gets in, just gets covered in uh, black rot disease, which is a, a, a black spot. Um, but you may be driving around out in the country and see a persimmon tree that, wow, this thing drops the whole month of October and November, and it doesn't get a lot of black spot. Well, you go cut a branch out of that thing in February and put it on your brand new seedling that you planted a couple years ago and have an improved persimmon on that. Uh, now, if you go and go to the grocery store and buy a Granny Smith apple and plant that seed, you are not going to get a Granny Smith apple. Um, and uh, from that standpoint, you're better off uh, grafting uh, like a disease-resistant strain. You know, if you're a wildlifer that doesn't want to have to spray all the time, you can graft something like Liberty, which is very disease-resistant, onto one of your apples or crab apples, seedlings. Mm-hmm. And uh, end up with a more productive tree. But in general, in speaking in generalities, the grafted fruit you would pick up at just a typical um, uh, tree store, a big uh, box store, something yeah, big like box that, store, something like, is not going to be as disease resistant as a, a native fruit planting. No, um, it may be in in certain areas, but um, you know, I love those guys to death, but they're not is concerned with your success in the field as a specialty nursery is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more ornamental? Uh, more than, ornamental. Than, it's going to require more maintenance. It's a prettier apple, so people think it's a better apple. Uh, a deer doesn't care what an apple looks like. Right. So it was a variety of grapefruit. Doggo, is that right? Uh just say red delicious. Red delicious. So if you go buy a red delicious apple tree from your local nursery and you go out to your, put it in your food plot and walk away from it, come back into next year, more than likely it's not going to do as well as if you put 
a Mexican plum, a Chickasaw plum, some other kind of native soft mass. Right. That has evolved for thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years without being fertilized or sprayed Mm -hmm. or babied. Whereas a lot of these, somebody finds a chance fruit that's perfect, but they don't really think about all of the, you know, a commercial grower is not worried about what we're worried about. So they're going to go in and spray it every week. Uh, It's got to be shiny and pretty for the shelf. Um, If if I were to plant a red delicious apple at my farm, uh, it probably wouldn't, it probably won't even be there in four or five years unless Mm -hmm. I baby it. And that's that's some of the stuff I've been through. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go buy all these grafted fruit trees and plant them. And then all the deer are going to run all over here from everywhere. But just the situation that you're in, like Dudley was talking about earlier, it's not in my backyard. It's not something I can maintain or spray all the time. Uh, so these native fruits are better options for for wildlifers, in my opinion. Right. I mean, there's if you've got a big backyard uh, and you're up in uh, Michigan or something where they grow a lot of apples or the, the Appalachians, go ahead, plant mm-hmm. plant some apples. Do some grafted stuff. That's not something we offer, yeah. but there's a lot of competent nurseries that do offer those kinds of things. But uh, think about how much labor you're going to have to put into those things after you plant them mm-hmm. uh, before you make your decision. So let me ask you back to the where you were talking about you identified a persimmon that, that doesn't have a lot of black rod and, and drops black at the spot, right time. Yeah. So if you cut one of those limbs and graft it, does it just affect that limb as it grows, or does that whole tree suddenly take well, on those characteristics? That limb becomes the new tree. The only thing that you're using is the root from the existing tree. You're grafting it close to the ground, and that little limb that you graft on the top, called a scion, becomes the new tree. Uh, you have to prune it to keep the, you know, the root suckers and, and other branches from coming out below the graft union. And once you've done that, it it grows and becomes the tree. That's, that is a that's- some amazing stuff. Oh, plant, yeah. plants mm-hmm. are amazing. <laughs> so, Dad, I've got a question about crab apples. Okay. So, I find them up here. Matter of fact, I found one on my place earlier this week because I've been cutting big, mature white oaks and poplar off of my place. And that's allowed me to kind of get around and see some other stuff that, you know, kind of stomping areas you don't usually see. I found two old crab apples that have just kind of been buried off in the woods. It seems like the ones we find up here are, are one of two things. They're either just laid halfway over somewhere in the thicket and they're just make mounds of fruit every year. Or you find one kind of by itself that's not really doing a whole lot and it's just got a handful of crab apples on it. If you find one like that, what what can a guy do to try to amount of fruit that it makes is, is there some pruning you can do obviously getting rid of some competition around it would seem would make sense but what else can you do to make it thrive well you you kind of answered it you know you can prune it um and again a, a lot of those trees you know apples are uh, somewhat domesticated um and so they're going to grow uh, really low and they're going to be branchy they're going to have branches that touch and cross and uh, you don't want to you don't want to make all those corrections in one year. Um, they're going to be usually way overgrown, and so you want to make some corrective prunings, maybe over a three or four year period, to try to get it back to normal. 
Um, so, you know, branches that touch, uh, you know, branches that crisscross, narrow crotch angles. So what that means is instead of a branch growing straight out, which would be a 90 degree angle, it kind of grows upwards. And so it's more susceptible if it's covered in fruit to breaking where, where it joins in with the main stem. And so those are some of the things you want to cut out. And you want to do that over, like I said, about three years. And you also want to slowly remove anything around it uh, that that's going to be competing with the root zone and that's going to be keep competing for sunlight. Um, and that's it. Um, and hopefully it'll start producing better. Some, you know, apples are individuals. Some of them are going to be more prone to disease. Um, they're going to, uh, and some are, are not going to have as many problems. Uh, you know, Apples are more mostly European. Uh, there's a country called Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan that a lot of them came from. I think that's right. And uh, but we do have some native apple species here. Um, we've got southern crab apple, which is Malus angustifolia. We've got one that's kind of intermediate, which is called Malus coronaria, and then we have one that's more northern, which is called prairie crab. And it's Malus ioensis. And uh, I don't know if the crabs you're finding are more from a, a domestic apple from Europe or if it's the, the natives. Uh, I find both when I'm walking around in the woods. So it could be that the one that's not doing as well is like a seedling off of a, of a non-native apple. And it's more prone to cedar apple rust and things like that. So that's hard to tell. Um, I'm hoping. I do know if you. I, I do know if you find one that starts dropping, like in middle late September, and the the area around it is just looks like a a bomb went off because it seems like everything in the woods is after them. Yeah, well, that would be one that you would want to get some sticks off of and graft. You know, you can plant some seedling crab apples or um, even buy some root stocks from a specialty nursery. Um, I think there's a, a popular one. Uh, it's called B118. Uh, M111 is another popular root stock. Um, or you can get our crab apples and graft onto those. Um, but uh, so, yeah, go find the ones in your area that do well and use those to multiply the, the apples in your area. Lanny, you got any? Uh, you got anything you want to ask him? I've been asking all the questions. I yeah, Dudley, it looked like <laughs> one thing that I've noticed in the last few years is trees die. It, it, it really surprises me how many. If you walk through the woods, you'll That's notice dead trees, dead trees really stops. Yeah. They, they are, but. I mean, I know, I know that this is a very vague. I'm not really asking a question. I'm mm -hmm. ho hoping to get you to talk about this a little bit. But I guess there's just a natural mortality, or there could be diseases that come through and plague something. Yeah, there, there's so much going on that's over our heads. Uh, you've got all this fungal stuff going on under the ground um, that nobody really thinks about. Uh, we've, you know, all you know, the competition for for sunlight can be, you know, that. You're finding a bunch of trees that are in decline that may be getting out competed. Uh, there's so many variables that come into play. So yeah. that's a tough one to answer. 
but those declining trees are are good for wildlife too. They create snags, you know, insects get in them and then you got woodpeckers and so the more the more diversity you can have the better. Yeah, and those uh, the, those cavities are very important. So, hey, look, Austin needs to go. He's got a fire burning somewhere. They need to go. You need to go <laughs> check on that, Austin. Also, I want to tell I, you, Austin. I literally, I literally have 160 acres burning right now. Yeah, so we're gonna <laughs> let you go, Austin. I'm sorry, your team lost the other night. I know you. If, I know you were all depressed oh, a little man, bit. Had to bring that up, didn't you? So, but yeah, I, well, we 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 got there. Well, I, look, Austin. I'm just being honest. I said I'm sorry your team lost, and and I know you're you're depressed. So, but the thing is, he's lying because he's not sorry your team lost. <laughs> but it, go the check. thing is, I know exactly what you're getting. At, but, uh, no. well, look, go go check on your fire, Austin. We appreciate you jumping on here with us, and be safe. All right, y'all have a good. See you, Austin, buddy. I t- I, Dudley, th- this is your sweet spot. Whenever we talk about trees, you just light up. <laughs> you light up like David lights up when we talk about his girlfriend and yeah. going to meet those loves his the main yeah. the parents and meet the parents. Yeah. yeah, I can talk about trees all day. I, I do talk about trees all day. Yeah, exactly. That's what he does. So it's it's real important. What what. If a guy wants to buy a tree, now's a really good time. If you're interested in this, yeah. you need to be thinking about now's it. Now's a good time, but, you know, for us and even for other nurseries, uh, gosh, I remember back in the bare root days, you called a nursery after July to buy trees and they'd be sold out. And uh, so it, it, usually if you wait to order trees when it's time to plant trees, chances are you're going to be late. Yeah. Um, so just some advice, uh, be thinking about this before tree planting time, come up with a plan. You know, I'm, I'm laying in bed, looking at my own ex at night, uh, trying to figure out where to plant trees. Uh, I'm sitting in the deer stand trying to figure out where I'm going to plant trees the next year. Come up with a game plan. As far as native nurseries is concerned, you can order six weeks in advance of when you, of when they ship. And so you can take advantage of that. All my friends up north, take advantage of that fall planting window when when trees are way more available. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so Lanny, but wait. that said, we do have a lot of stuff now for this spring planting window. We have a lot of soft mast available, a lot of black cherry, a lot of a lot of mulberry, <laughs> elderberry. Uh, the list goes on. Yeah, a lot of yeah. oaks still. Lanny's waving his hand. By, what, what, what? Yes, Lanny. I, I have a question. Okay. For Bobby. Oh. Mm. You ready? Yeah. When is the best time to plant a tree? Yesterday. Boom. Yeah. yeah. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I wanted to say is one of the things that I've noticed about the website is that if you're interested in something and it's sold out, you can sign up or yep. e- put your email in there and it will notify you when you put inventory right. back in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing if you're interested in, in something. Yeah, yeah. We, we manage our inventory. Di- David does a really good job of it, just as shippable inventory. So we have stock, and as that stock comes shippable, meets our quality standards, that's when we make it available. So yeah. Right. Big we, Dave. We also occasionally we have to do recounts. We should call Big Dave. Um, you know, and, and if he says there's six in a box, there's six in a box. That's right. Don't argue Don't with argue it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a guy. Yeah, and we, occasionally we do recounts. Like, for example, right now we're out of our chestnuts. Mm-hmm. And uh, – We'll 
you know, we may have an order cancel or something like that. So, yeah, put your name in that email when available slot and uh, and you'll get an email. We'll, we'll notify. Yeah, that's, exactly that's right. good. Well, um, and, and another thing I wanted to mention, I've been on a couple of other podcasts talking about uh, mast trees, uh, mainly hitting on so, uh, soft mast. The Element podcast, my buddies over at The Element, we had a really cool discussion. Check that out. And then uh, Bronson and Steve, I hung out uh, with them one day, and we did a podcast uh, for you know MSU Deer Lab you can check out as well. Yeah. Well, good. So. Awesome. Well, look, why don't we uh, – there's an Ask Dudley question. I think a guy called in with it. Uh, why don't let, let's let's see what he's got to ask? If David will wake up over there. I have a question for you. I have some fruit trees that are leaning, and I'm worried that this spring, once they bear their fruit, the weight will cause them to fall over. I'm wondering about the proper technique for anchoring these trees for some kind of support. Thank you. Who is that? I don't know. Where was he from? Louisiana, I thought. I think we missed his name and his location. Yeah. Good question. Um, well, one thing that often happens, uh, we love using tree tubes. There's way more pros than cons. One of the few cons uh, we love a four-foot tree tube. We like that tree to get up and out of it mm-hmm. sooner than later so it can start, uh, so its leaves can be exposed to full sun and branch out and start picking up on diameter growth again. Uh, but occasionally deer will find that, that seedling growing out of the top of that tube and they'll eat it. And it'll cause it to get real bushy uh, as it exits the tube. And oftentimes, if that tree fruits with all that bushiness growing out of the top, it can lean and fall over and uh, in some instances even break. And so you can prevent that uh, by either putting a bigger cage around the tree where the deer can't get in there and eat it as it grows out. Um, I've gone to a barber shop and gotten hair and you can put a little hair in the top of the tree tube to keep deer from eating it. Um, you can spray some of our, uh, uh, plot protector in there, which is like a, a deer away type liquid. Um, and then, but once it's already happened, uh, you just need to do some corrective pruning. So you may have a bunch of branches all coming out of the same spot, right? When it exits the tube. And so what you need to do is carefully prune that. So go in and maybe prune a third of those branches at one time. And then come back and uh, a month or two later, prune a third more. Then come back a few months later, pr- prune a third more until you just have a very few set of branches. You really only want one branch coming out um, at each height level, I guess you could say. And you want them to alternate. Um, and so by you know reducing the branches, you're re- reducing the, the load from all that fruit. And uh, but preventative maintenance is the way to go, really. But yeah, if it's too late, you got to do some corrective pruning. Another thing you can do is drive a T post at an angle uh, into the ground, and then use something soft um, to hold it in place. We used to use little sections of garden hose. Yeah, mm-hmm. things like garden hose. Um, 
webbing, webbing something like yeah. that that's yeah. flat. Um, and that'll hold it in place and keep it from falling over. And it'll hold it there so it can get some more diameter growth. And once it's got more diameter growth and can hold itself up, you can remove it. Uh, but uh, I never recommend staking something from day one uh, because the, the tree needs to move around. Uh, it's like lifting weights. When it moves around, cells break down and grow back stronger. Make it have a stronger stem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some uh, some preventative maintenance to keep it from happening to begin with. Uh, and then some uh, if it does happen, some corrective pruning mm-hmm. uh, over a long duration so you're not stressing the tree. Um, and then you may need to stake it. And that's my final answer. Yeah, straight well, them up. I think, uh, I think you answered his question there. That's, that's, a, that's a good question. We appreciate people calling in with questions so we can do it like that. So, Lanny, what have we learned today? I, I, you know, just it seems like I talk about this about every podcast. There's just you never learn everything, you know. Just keep keep the the wonder of wildlife and and all this stuff you can do out there. Keep it going. So there's always just like Dudley was talking. He's been into trees for 20 years now. He's moving into other things that are related to it. So um, just uh, learn everything you can. Um, I want more people to learn to think about diversity. Yeah. Don't hyper-focus on one species that, that is supposed, you know, somebody may advertise that this is the silver bullet. This is the one tree you need. Um, no, that's hogwash. You, that's need right. a, you need a lot of diversity, a lot of different things dropping. Don't just consider the mast on that tree. Consider all the insects that might use it that are going to fall out of the tree that your birds can eat. You know, all of that stuff uh, – that's Matt, right. All that stuff. There's matters. a lot of marketing claims that we market, obviously, but there's a lot of marketing claims up there. So uh, be sure and validate what's going on out there. And yep. to Dudley's point, uh, when in doubt, diversity. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, guys, look, you can go to www.nativenurseries.com. And you can check all the stuff out. And Dudley's done a great job of it with these descriptions of these yeah, trees and where out. you can plant, when, and Gamekeeper YouTube, Native Nurseries YouTube, go check it out. He's doing a series on how to figuring out where to plant, what to plant, how to plant. Um, so we're going to be getting a lot more content going up there with the last day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got any more questions, I, I know we didn't, you know, it's impossible to cover everything. Uh, email us. Yeah. You want to give out Bobby's cell phone number? Yeah, so uh, I appreciate if you wouldn't do that. So, so Dudley is the man when it comes to trees. Absolutely, and uh, Dudley, there's a lot of tree nerds out there. Don't that's not you're you're ours though. Well, yeah, that's right. And uh, it, look, I just enjoy watching you uh, watching you light up and talk about trees. It's it's amazing. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. We've been going here a while. I Good think uh, you know uh, about to call a wrap on. Yeah, about to call a wrap on it. So. Uh, do you have anything, Lanny, that you need to? Uh, no, just, you know, plant something every time you get a chance. Yeah. And look, y'all say, look, uh, this COVID thing, it's just, there's a lot going on. It's a lot everywhere. Of people, it's it, everywhere. it really is. So y'all be careful out sure. there. The fact that we aren't, or a, and a lot of companies aren't going to the SHOT Show this year in a big way. I think we're going to have a small skeleton mm-hmm. crew. But, I mean, that says a lot because that's a it's, it, it really does. No about it. So uh, we just hope everybody stays and safe. And thank you all for being patient. You know, there's uh, yeah. everybody's not operating on all cylinders right now. So, yeah. 
And we took a couple of weeks off ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. David, and, David and, took like a month off over there. Right? And can I say that week between Christmas and New Year's is usually my favorite week to hunt. Oh, yeah. I was up here almost every day. But <laughs> it was 70 degrees that week. Yeah, this last it's week. It's been a weird weather. It has been weird weather. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really has. So, look, hey, I would appreciate if you guys would go give us a review. That's, that's real important to what we're trying to do. So, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast. And, uh, look, we'll be back right back next week. We've got about – I've got about six of these planned in a row where, where that I think everybody's going to love. All right. That they're really good. So, uh, and Dudley, and we're going to start getting movie reviews from you so that you can start uh, giving ideas about – you know, good things guys can watch with their spouses so that we're getting ready for Valentine's. And uh, yeah, and hey, young yeah, David over here is going to actually be giving some dating tips later on. So a lot of good things planned. So uh, with that, I'm going to say let's get out of here. And why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Get us out of here, Matt Wayne. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Gamekeeper Podcast. And be sure to tune in again. Subscribe to Gamekeeper Farming for Wildlife magazine. And don't miss the Mossy Oak Properties Fistful of Dirt podcast with my good buddy, Ronnie Cuz Strickland.